When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Good afternoon, and... <laughs> oh, man, I almost didn't make it, and then I did make it, and I was laughing too hard to do the intro. This would be the Jeff Cameron Show right here on 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. I'm Jeff. That's Tom. We're off to a rousing start. Director Matthew here to witness it all. On Twitter, it's at J Cameron Show. Good to be with you, and uh, we'll get organized here. You well, had it. You nailed it. You were ready. I was, but I, here's what happened. So I'll let everybody in on the secret as I get organized here with my headset as well. Uh, what happened was, so Steve Stewart does the show before us, and this is one of those days where we don't get in until... The previous host is out right then, and he didn't do anything oh, I wrong. I see how it is. No, no, no. He didn't Blame do the Clemson wrong. fan. No, no, no. Not at all. But what, what happens is uh, other days we're in here with plenty of time, maybe even 30 minutes in advance or whatever, and you, you kind of just leisurely about as you get your stuff together. I like Fridays for that reason. Yeah. Fridays you can really Nobody ease in on here. into the loosey-goosiness. Yeah. So what happens is uh, you kind of ease on into it, and then you look up. You're like, oh, five minutes of showtime. I'll, pr- you know, I'll print this. I have this set up the way I want. Get the mic the way I want. Get the camera all set up. Well, on days where that's not the case, you kind of got to briskly get in and get out. And I had pulled up everything I needed, and then I looked over here at the show clock, and I thought, I got like a minute. I got to pee. I'm gonna pee. I don't. I don't want to be feeling a little restless as we start the show. I want to be relaxing as we start talking. So the way the studio is set up, you got to go down a hall. We share a building here with other. Uh, offices and businesses, and so so I had to walk. Far inferior to this one. Of Correct. Course. Yeah. Well, I walk out there, and there's two bathrooms. They're both occupied. I'm like, no. What are we doing? I was wondering. Usually, you're like a 20-second oh, in-and-out guy. I, with yeah, that, you yeah. know. If I know yeah. it's game time, I can get in and out. So I had to wait. For, like As I was turning around to come back, that person left. I was like, oh, well, I got time. But I knew I was up against it. And then I came around the corner, and you were giving me the look like, dude, the drums are playing. It's the who is. You were in the final. Yeah, yeah I was in the final yeah, loop. I was yeah. trying to gauge that. And, uh, yeah, that's where we are. Anyhow, I was ill-prepared, a little like FSU on the road against Georgia Tech last night. Boy, I- you crafted a segue. People think that was organic, but you did this whole <laughs> thing, orchestrated it no, for that payoff. Well I done. Did, I didn't. That's but comedy. It, it would have been impressive, the timing and all. You know, it's just, it's funny because 
We talked on Tuesday on Seminole Headlines, and then on Monday you and I talked that, I don't know, this Georgia Tech game, I hate it. I always do. It angers me. I feel like we're never going to play well there. I thought we'd win ugly if we won. We said there was a good chance they could lose. And, and Georgia Tech's terrible. I mean, they're, that's just their second conference win this year. They've been awful. And yet you just knew. You're like, okay, let's just see how the first, uh, I don't know, 10 minutes of this game go. The first half of the first half is what I was going to gauge. Obviously, we came out the gates like, all right, here we go. Seven points in 90 seconds. We're off to a flying start. Get you some of this, everybody. But you knew that wouldn't last, and it didn't. And so as you got late in the first half, I would, I'll would i go through the numbers. We'll go through the postmortem and move on. I mean, obviously, if you just I'm looking at some numbers here from Georgia Tech, by the way, way over their heads compared to every other game they've played this year. And always, what is it about us? I mean, Georgia Tech will gladly lay the hell down for everybody else. They see us walk in, they're like, those sons of bitches are here. Like, they can't wait to play. I think it's because Passner and Chris Mack are best friends. Yeah. And so Passner is trying to avenge his friend, who has now been fired largely because of his uh, inferior nature to Leonard Hamilton, his father. So you, you th- that's a separate talking point. It is, because, it is indeed. Well, but the reason I, I, I want to remind everybody of something, Chris Mack was considered to be the, uh, the, the rising superstar in the rank of college coaches, and that uh, I remember Florida State fans on uh, Twitter and my email telling me that, yeah, if we had a real coach like Chris Mack, we would have, and then Leonard probably owned his ass for the last year and plus. And uh, and then people are like, oh, well, and uh, conveniently they don't come back around with anything. But uh, And he did it. have his bona fides to take that next step well, from a non-group of six, power six in college basketball. I mean, he was so a one seed. So many do, guys. Yep. Yeah. So many do. Old Shaka. Well, we can go on for days. Uh, uh, another guy that Florida State hired, Steve Robinson, was coming off of having built quite the reputation uh, from outside the power six, as you call them, and uh, and then you know was hired here and did nothing but suck. So this is this is kind of you know there are no guarantees. There are no guarantees. That said, uh, really frustrating to kind of watch that game play out. I don't know. Did you stay up to the end? Yeah, I mean because we got it down to five or three or whatever it was mm-hmm. with a few minutes to go, and then promptly you know things went bad again. It was unfortunate, but this was entirely predictable. This is one of those tests. It's a great test for my uh, emails, text message feed, Twitter, whatever it is, of people who fly by night, casually drop in on Florida State basketball, and people who who knew that this team was capable of losing to anybody, and, and apparently in the ACC at least, mm-hmm. beating anybody. So if you've been around for the ride since November, you knew that this was imminently possible. If you're just looking at Florida State box scores of the last week, and us going 4-0 and in the span of seven days, and then you finally tuned into one, you're going to be that fan that we all loathe, which is like, see? See? Like, this is a watershed moment for you to prove why Leonard Hamilton is, is no good or why this program is always stuck in a rut. Well, it'd be, it, but that happens every year. Yeah, that's a weird thing. To, I mean, the rut of the Sweet 16, you mean? I mean, what right. rut? <laughs> what like, rut? See, same old nose. Like, yeah. what are you talking about? It's, it's that football fan that drops in every mm-hmm. once in a while, like, like mm-hmm. Will Hunting. In Robin Williams' office, uh, right. office, looking at the painting. And he looks at one painting and he rips the whole thing apart. So it's a good test. Now, if you've been along for the ride the whole season, you knew that there's going to be valleys. This group's going to go cold and look awful at times, and that was last night. 
But it won't be at times. It'll be against Georgia Tech every time. That's the more maddening aspect of this. Football the same way. I mean, it will be against Georgia Tech that that kind of low-level performance is guaranteed. <laughs> that's, that's like You would have thought, oh, we'll see this in the rematch against Miami. They're a hungry team, a talented team. They're at home. It was just 11 days prior that they got upset in a, you know, a frustrating fashion, a heartbreaking fashion. And then they, you know, they, they probably thought, oh, okay, here's our chance at revenge. And then we come out and drop 40-plus on them and a half with dead legs. You're like, well, okay, that doesn't make any sense. But this... This makes total sense. Point is, uh, and, and there's no getting around this, while you can, and we certainly both have acknowledged this, understand how it happened. You can be frustrated, but understand that it's not necessarily a great representation in totality of what this team is or is not. But it is a bad loss. It's the, the problem is it's a really bad loss for a league that, is not well thought of currently, and I think for good reason. I don't think it's particularly strong this year. And so any one of those that you are able to throw onto the ledger, you put yourself in danger, and we'll see. You eliminate a lot of the wiggle room that you had built up, and hey, I'm not, again, I'm not hitting the panic button. The ding-ding is still not swinging by, although he, he was like, well, he felt good about what happened last night. Uh, but we'll be all right. Oh, he has to. I mean, you know, with all that happened last week, you still have a net in the 50s, right? Oh, your net's never going to be great. Right, because you don't the get the opportunities. Yeah, the conference is going to hold you back. The the team that you could do the most with and, and create the most, uh, uh, I guess, upwardly mobile leap in the net was Duke, and you beat them. You did. They're ranked in the top 10. They're also 14th in net and uh, 11th in Ken, in Ken Palm. So, you know, the one opportunity you had to really garner some points, you did that. You did beat Duke. We'll see him again on the road. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, that that's, that's the thing that sucks. If you're trying to elevate your status against anybody else, just the net as we sit here today after the results last night, well, good luck because you beat Miami twice. They're 69th in the net. Nice. There it is. Notre Dame is 72nd. Wake Forest is 35. They blew your doors off. See them next weekend? Mm, we're going to need that one. Two Saturdays from now. Yep. Uh, Carolina's 43rd. Virginia's 93rd. Louisville's 113th. Hence, they told Mac to have a good day. Clemson's 73rd. You know, what the hell? <laughs> Syracuse is 105th. Boston College, 173rd. Pitt, 190th. Is the Boston College ACC experiment over yet? Can we just call it a day? Nobody would notice. I agree for the betterment of the conference, but I like the occasional trip to Boston, so I'd get rid of somebody else first. Schedule them as a non-con. That's fine. Well, you could get rid of Syracuse. I mean, if they're not going to sit here and do anything in basketball, they're 105th in the net. What the hell are you here for? You don't provide anything else? It's for the footprint and TV networks that really never materialized to anything. So 114th is NC State, Georgia Tech 148th, Virginia Tech 55th. They're as well thought of as any team that loses every time they play. They're 2-7 and seven in the ACC. They've lost three straight games, and last night was a running kick to the Cojones, if you saw the ending of that game. How many times is Miami going to get lucky like that? But they did. Anyhow, 55th in the net is Virginia Tech, despite, you know, not being any good at all. 10-10. and 10. 
Well, Careful, they're coming to town on I'm just, Saturday. <laughs> I'm just saying they're ten and ten. The the record's the record, and they've lost three straight conference games. And they're not good. They're in last place in the ACC by definition. They're not good, and yet fifty third in the net or whatever. Wait, what, what, the net is shaky. The net, the net just cares that you play good teams, not that you beat them ever. Right, yeah. Just that you so, play them so it's good over that and over again. We just don't need a COVID cancellation on Saturday. That's all. We just need no, to play need the game against game. Virginia Tech. Mm-hmm. Everybody good? Speaking of which, it is uh, disconcerting, though, because, you know, if we go back and look at the game itself and we get through all of this, Florida State had played and closed out that first half as bad as you possibly could. By the way, the end of that half, really tested my ability to be 72 degrees. Just easy breezy. Just everything's all right. Because I figured it to be a struggle, but I was tired. It was a trying day yesterday. I was laying in bed to watch this game, and I was like, all right, I'm up. I I purposely propped the pillows up on the bed so that I'd have to be seated up against the wall and awake, and I made it. I made it. But I thought, let's just, all right, I get maybe we're going to be down five at half. Maybe we'll be up two. It'll look ugly because it's us against Georgia Tech. But the last couple minutes of that half where we're just looking like a-holes and they're going berserk, tested my ability to just not say anything, calmly get up and get a glass of water and come back to bed without maybe frightening the dogs or scaring my wife or anything like that. I I didn't utter a word, just calmly, okay, all right, I see that's how it's going to be. A little sixteen to five run to close out the half for Georgia Tech, and we're just going to throw it all over the lot. I that that's something that drives me nuts is the turnovers. Like out of nowhere, just could not stop turning the basketball over. It's bizarre, bizarre. Yeah, it'll drive you nuts too to look in the half court. We get there eventually, eventually, and and you've got whatever zone setup there is, and it looks like they've never played against the zone well, defense in the half court in their life. Now that's not a program thing, and there'll be a piece on Warchant tomorrow to that end about success against the zone. And well, they is, were getting the ball into the spot uh, in the paint that you need to get it in the second half. They were especially yes. down the stretch, yes. a lot of easy little bunnies, yes. but we miss a lot of those. We always do. I think that's partly college basketball. I don't think that's just us. But the hard part is when you see guys panic. And there was a lot of times at the top of the key, there were there was distribution issues. Even if we didn't turn the ball over, it's like, oh, that would have hit the scorer's table if Evans didn't have quick hands. Mm-hmm. Things like that. And, you're, and this is what happened in the second half against Miami. It's the whole reason they came back. We had like 52 turnovers. I'll have to check the official stats. But it felt like 52 turnovers in the second half on the road against Miami where you're, they're just flustered. And I was hoping, after we saw the performance on the road at Syracuse a couple weekends ago, where they did a decent job of breaking down Syracuse defense. They did, I thought, on the way to 76 points. Yeah. That maybe everybody's calm. Maybe the Saturday second half was they ran out of gas. But no, all right, they're going to have a problem with the zone this year. I think we've just got to understand that. Okay, so we're talking about Georgia Tech running two different types of zones. They also ran a 1-3-1 zone, mainly with those corner traps. Okay, so here's here's the thing, all right? Pull up the numbers there. If pull up those first half stats. It's it's weird. So while we looked bizarre on the whole against the zone that you're talking about, I got my on the whole in. FSU hey was now. FSU was 14 of 28. Okay, I'll take 50%. Uh problem was they were 2 of 9 from beyond the arc. That ain't getting it done and they couldn't get to the free throw line. They attempted four free throws. So, you know, I'm. I'm just. It's bizarre. I mean, it, it, there are a lot of things. 
You got 12 to 4 points off of turnovers for Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech shot 44% from the field in the first half, but they were 8 of 19 from three. So their ability to hit threes offset our defensive efforts in the paint on twos, and it overcame uh, our efficiency from the field, which was actually a lot better than your eyes would have told you just looking at these numbers. Uh, you know, you would have thought, well, my God, we can't do anything. Well, that's true from three, but everywhere else we shot just fine in that first half. It's just you can't turn the ball over so frequently, and towards the end of the half, it's just... Well, and that's where the efficiency yeah. remains because there's no shot attempt on right. possession. Yeah. So I think it skews the numbers a little bit. If you're actually looking at points per possession, that's where it would bring it down to a level that maybe it doesn't meet our, our emotional eyes as we're angrily no, it, looking it at them. Yeah. But it But it comes closer than you would just look at the field goal percentage and say... Oh, we were fine. Offense. No, no. Turning the ball over is a negative thing, especially live ball turnovers. So, to the point you made in the second half, we did cut it to 63 to 58. And you're going, all right. Can it was we the just, polite show for yes, a segment there. Yeah, yeah. Can we just steal it? So, you've got a little under four minutes to play. And then Georgia Tech closes on a 12 to 3 run. And they hadn't done anything like this over the course of this basketball season. And it's maddening to watch because, of course, it happened. They went five of six from the field, two of three from beyond the arc during that stretch. Everything that they foisted upon, hoisted upon the uh, rim there went in. The killer was the, the 15 footer or 12 footer from the paint where the kid does a 360, drops back, fires, and it's a fadeaway make. And then it's the collapse down on the baseline and the angle created by going like two feet out of bounds. To hook into the near corner, kick out three. It's like, okay, all right. I think that's a good rotation. I think we did a lot of what we needed to do there. You are literally going to reach towards right. the cheerleaders out of bounds, yeah, kick it to the throw. corner, and make that three. Okay, all right. That was the end of the game, that shot right there. Uh, treeing is what it's known as. Treeing, as I used to call it with tennis uh, over the years. Teams have the ability, Georgia Tech in particular, to tree against us, play way above their heads. And if you go into the stats, they did exactly that. Uh, they did basically shoot their usual percentages from the field, but from the free throw line, they weren't really good. They averaged 14, almost 15 attempts per game, converting on just 69% of those. But last nice again. <laughs> Jeez. It's all over the place. But last night, they knocked down 17 of 24, which accounted for their second-best scoring effort in the ACC this year from the line. They also exceeded their usual production from beyond the arc, training 10 trays instead of their average of seven. And, yeah, shoot three-point shooters wide up. And I'm looking at those percentages again. It's just it's, it's frustrating. We didn't, we didn't uh, really turn the ball over as much in the second half, obviously just the five. But when you turn it over as many times as they did in the first half, it's tough to overcome. Anthony Polite with 11 leads the team in scoring. Naheem McLeod scored 10, three dunks and a layup, by the way, seven boards. He's, he's going he's gonna to matter. Yeah, he will. It's a nice sequence, but you didn't see him much again. And then, you know, Caleb Mills rides the pine for, for a huge chunk of the second half, and you're wondering what's going on there. Check uh, the fouls. It's not a foul issue. Throat infection. Well, so he just pulled himself out of the game. I mean, if you're good enough to start it. Problem is, um, and it, I thought at the time that we were looking at one of those kinds of benchings where a message is being sent because obviously he wasn't really good from the field. He was one of four from three. He looked thrilled to be sitting on the bench to me. Well, they're talking about a throat infection, so I don't know. Jalen Worley finished his best effort of the year uh, in the ACC. That's good to see. Six points. Matthew Cleveland really struggled. Missed a dunk. Missed a wide open. I mean, just some things there that were silly. 
five points for a kid who's awfully talented. I don't know. Maybe there's maybe that is the uh, silver lining. A few more games like that, and he'll be convinced to come on back for next year. Yeah, it might be for the greater good. Yeah, those free throws are terrible. I'd like him to get up to his GPA level. We always talk about it. he's a four point oh. I'd take forty percent. I'll tell you this: the NBA doesn't care whether or not you can shoot th- free throws. So we, we, it's less about that. I need. I mean, they're going to want you to, but they're not just worried yeah, well, about it. Threes and free says, throws. Yeah, those are yeah. the two efficient shots. He's got the eighteen footer down, but I don't know the NBA has much use for that shot. But literally, every time he pulls up at three, it's a fake dribble to eighteen feet. It's going in. Yeah, I'm like, all right, that's a nice two, but I wish we would just... Uh, I don't know. I don't have a problem with it. Be efficient at something. (laughs) Be efficient at something. Cameron Fletcher, uh, there's a moment. He hits a three. He has the putback. Like, oh, there's that athleticism. Need to see him continue to grow. He had a killer drive to penetrate through Mm -hmm. the zone, 360, and and all it is is a little finish from uh, three feet. Three feet. And it goes hard off the back iron. Malik Osborne uh, has this ankle that is not getting better, and I felt bad for him when you saw him aggravated again, re-aggravated again in the first half. And I, I don't know, man, what is, the, what is the answer here? They know, and it was brought up last night during the broadcast, that if they don't play him or they want it to get right, he may need two weeks off, three weeks off. Well, obviously they feel like he can't take that kind of time off for this team to have a chance to win these games, that the margin for error is such that if he's not playing, there's a precipitous drop-off and we're really not able to do what we want to do, I guess. But I will tell you that he was one of five. um, You know, I mean, this is, let's see, first half, only made basket. Yeah, one of five from the field, zero of two from beyond the arc, can't really jump. Two rebounds, it's it's tough. Uh, Wyatt Wilkes with his normal two points. And uh, and Gom did make a three minute cameo. There is your look. So we've got to find out: Is Caleb Mills going to be back to one hundred percent for this weekend's game against Virginia Tech? What's the status of Blake Osborne moving forward with that ankle injury? It doesn't appear to be getting better. It's disconcerting. Where that leaves us now: Miami rallied from five points down over the final two minutes and hit the miraculous half court shot at the buzzer, which of course they did. Notre Dame went on a 15 to nothing run in the second half to secure an easy win over NC State. North Carolina survived one of the ugliest games ever played in college basketball, 58-47 to in a rock fight. Those two teams should apologize to their fans and anybody that happened to tune into that game. Uh, so there's that. Now, Florida State 6-3, and three, just a game back of first place. The team that they're trailing, they swept on the season so far. So it is... Pretty heavily weighted here at uh, Florida State, Carolina, Wake, Notre Dame, Duke, Miami, all within a game or half a game of first place. That's where we're at. And you're going to want to look more towards the first place line, not because that's the great and most prestigious thing to accomplish as a conference member, but rather because we're not sure beyond the second line anybody else is getting in. So where you sit on this line matters. Even if it's a tie for second, whatever yeah. it might be. Yeah, we've downsized to a two-seater. You know, we're we're in a uh, Mazda Miata. No longer a fifteen-passenger van. You're going to want to be in the front seat, for there may not be a back seat. Is what Tom is alluding to. FSU's last night last night drops us from fifty-six to seventh seventieth. 
in what those quad one games are. We're two and three in quad one games. We have the win over Duke and Miami as our two. Of course, the road losses are at Purdue, not a bad loss at all. Uh, at Wake Forest, not a bad loss at all. And Florida, not a bad loss at all. So you, you get those quality losses, Tom. Let's add up those quality, quality loss on the road. <laughs> quality losses. Uh, we got to get football in. We got to get a lot of things in. Jeff Cameron, show 93.3 Real Talk Radio, Warchat TV. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time time or your money back guaranteed because with ebay motors you're burning rubber not cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want it's easy to make your car the mvp and bring home huge wins keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply Jeff Cameron, 293 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV hope you're well sorry about yesterday we're back rolling here good to go today so what did you make of the Saints and the Sean Payton situation when we find out that uh, it was just a year ago, I guess, that he had a deal worked out before uh, Mike McCarthy and uh, could have gone to the Dallas Cowboys? That was interesting enough. Is this the effort to sit out a year, take the job that will surely be open after this next season when Mike McCarthy screws it up again? Yeah, I think it's a situation where as long as Jerry is with us at that time when they're done with Mike McCarthy, then Peyton's going to arrive to save the day. And Jerry can't wait for that press conference already. i got to give Sean Peyton credit in this regard. The press conference was him pleading for a job. That was bizarre. Oh, yeah. It was a weird press conference. It, it went over an hour, too, didn't it? It was a lengthy, you know, certainly more than 30 minutes. Yeah. It's... um. It was conversational. He wanted you to know that he's capable of carrying on these kinds of conversations. It was a tryout for a TV gig, which he'll probably be good at, I would guess. Oh, and he already had a bunch of suitors anyway. I mean, you know you know how they are in the TV industry. They take a chance on a guy like Jason Witten. They don't really care. They're just looking for the name, and they hope, and they hope that you turn out to be good. Bruce was terrible at it. Bruce Arians at the CBS booth. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, it's just, uh, it's just a dumb play. Well, he didn't want to be there. Yeah, any week. You kind of have to want to be there. there. Like, uh, yeah, it, it is strange. Um, I think, you know, you, these th- these hires tend to be very, very uh, disparate. They're either huge home runs or they're just a nightmare, and you know early on. I always wonder, like, how was it, with the Jason wouldn't try wouldn't try out tape that somebody didn't go, well this this is not going to work, Bob. We're going to have to not hire Jason Witten. He's terrible. This isn't good. You and, know, like it's weird to me. Yeah, and then there's the guy who's just all about branding. Bob, Bob, we put Booger McFarland with him. <laughs> it's going to be great. And if it doesn't work, put Booger in a in a cart that moves up and down the field with a big screen on it, and it's going to be the best Monday Night Football ever. Well, it, it is weird. Um, when, you're, when you're listening to it, you're like, this would have been easily discernible. Like, you could have known pretty quickly um, that he wasn't going to be good and that Tony Romo was, for example. Like, you just hear the personalities. You're like, okay, well, he's good. He fits. We'll have to dial him back a little bit. He's a little bit over the top, but he's good. 
And other guys, you're like, mm. well, Romo got the express pass all the way to the top broadcast team, so they must have worked him into whatever the simulated booth. That's so weird too. Basically, you're in a studio. There's a live video feed. I guess in COVID times, it's kind of like normal if if you were at a remote broadcast, right? But that must have gone so well that they said, Phil, you're going to the New York or you're leaving the company. We don't care. You're, you're going to be on the halftime show <laughs> or you're not going to be somewhere else. But you can't stay here. That's that's Nance's guy now. Yeah, so I would tell you that uh, what's-his-face is is probably, and I, I, he's done so well I can't remember his name, the former Kane tied in. Yeah, Greg Olson. Yeah. yeah. Olson is phenomenal. Phenomenal. He instantly became my favorite color analysts and that team is sensational yeah burkhart's really burkhart's good. burkhart's really good yep. and they work well together and it's intelligent and it's well paced everything about it's wonderful. the only thing about the mets organization that they really just crank out talent left and right is broadcasters not a good sign well he's great i mean he's great and they work really well together and olsen is fantastic but back to sean payton for a moment uh it's interesting too i think we talk about this all the time. We as fans and as just consumers of the National Football League, we're always looking at the storylines and we're looking ahead to who's the emerging superstar, who's the franchise that's about to take a nosedive, who's the one would you... Mo- well, when you have nine coaching jobs come open, every F- F- uh, every I almost said FSU fan, every football fan likes to sit back and envision, well, if I got that job, you know, what would what would I need? So... What's the best job available? Well, do you want the Denver job where you're a quarterback away, maybe? Do you want the New Orleans job where you've got some salary cap issues, a little uncertain at quarterback, some other things, right? So you go through and you weigh all these, and meanwhile, Jacksonville fans are like, look at us. I mean, it's just brutal. But when he, when he walked, the other thing that we do is we always say, well, if we're able to see the writing on the wall about what wins in the NFL currently and what doesn't, and who's a free agent, who's not, positions, strengths, weaknesses. Certainly at some point when you're self-scouting as a coach, you have to sit down and be like, okay, our offense is a long ways away. I've got guys that are leaving, other guys that are getting long in the tooth. We're in a salary cap situation that's not good. I mean, to me, this would have been the easiest thing in the world. Like, Sean Payton is over there calling Drew Brees, who had a child's arm in the last two seasons that he played football, in season after Jameis went down. He's thinking, well, we gave Taysom Hill a gazillion dollars to just be useless, and I'm not real sure, based on the little sample size we had of Jameis, that he's going to return to being the kind of guy that drives the ball down the field the way he once did. What well, we- certainly not with that roster structure. Like, no. who are you throwing it to? Yeah, so, I mean... Maybe it's a time to maybe this is a good time to go into the media. Maybe this is a good time for me, Coach Payton, to join the ranks in the media. A little reset button. Yeah, a little hit a little reset button, go home, take a cush TV job, make a ton of money, survey the landscape, and then pull the trick. He could even turn down the Cowboys gig, you know, when it comes up in a year or two and still get a great job offer five years from now. Remember, that's what happened with Bill Cower. Now, Cower never left the booth. Never left the booth. But he got offer after offer after offer for a good five to seven years? Yeah, he did. The longer you're removed from the sideline and the day-to-day interaction and the hell that you put on your body and your family uh, to be a coach, uh, the the more likely it is you stay away permanently. Uh, He has a Super Bowl victory, so he's not chasing that elusive thing, right? If you're a guy who had to leave the game without a ring – maybe the call of the game or the sideline would always bring you back. But if you have that ring, and he's got a lot of other successes short of a Super Bowl beyond the one, 
as you like to point out. You know. Only one. But he'll get in the Hall of Fame in the express lane. Well, he's a great coach. He's a very, very good coach. We all know that. Very, very good. Yes. So I would just tell you that and not working 22-hour days year-round with the stress. I mean, he already had a pill problem. Oh, he sure did. Yeah. So call it a day, man. You've got more money than you'll ever spend, and they're about to give you gobs of it. To be a broadcaster. Yeah, that press conference is creepy. Every answer is like, oh, you know, I'm so glad you asked that, Mark. And the reason I, I believe, and you're like, oh. That, and that comes on the heels of him giving the uh, king cake or whatever the, you know, that mm-hmm. cake thing is for um, Mardi Gras mm-hmm. to the owner. And he's, I, I got a hundred more of them. So everybody in the media, I want you to take one home and just take it as an appreciation. <laughs> it was creepy, kind of like Shooter McGavin-esque. We are like, oh, what's it's a persona? going on here? Yeah. 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 No, it's it's strange. It's strange, but he's you he's, hopped up on the good stuff again, Sean. What's going on here? He's campaigning for a gig. Well, hopped up on the good stuff, and free to sleep in tomorrow. That's got to be a hell of a thing. And they basically, you know, I'm sure that he went to ownership and kind of talked it through. Like, listen, I'm really a little little fried here, a little burned out. Could use some time away. In other coaching um, parting of ways news, did you see what the the buyout was for Chris Mack? So he was promised twelve million if he was terminated by the letter of his contract. He settled for four point eight million. What do you think was going on behind the scenes there? It's Louisville. Who knows? Exactly. That smells like more Petrino Patino kind of stuff than it does just a mutual parting of ways. When you go, you forfeit more than fifty percent of your contractually obligated mm-hmm. buyout. He got in trouble once before. So would they have just carried that over for cause, his six-game suspension for the uh, beginning of the season? May very well have been. I I know this, though. The team itself looked like a group that had zero interest in listening to a word he had to say. And we first speculated on that last year after our game against them where those players, they looked a little frustrated with him. They looked a little frustrated with him. And there were comments to that end where guys didn't exactly back their coach uh, when when the local media covering Louisville would ask them about uh, you know the, some of the controversies surrounding him, his name being mentioned as somebody who could lose their job, being on the hot seat, quote unquote, none of the players were like, "Well, we love Coach Mack." They're all like, mm-hmm. "Well, if you watch the interactions, and it never tapered from when he would call guys off the court substitutions. Like Leonard doesn't even acknowledge dudes when they come off the court. You notice that? You know the other coaches, it'll be sometimes well, stand, sometimes see what, yeah. yeah. Coach doesn't even pat him on the butt. No, just, he's too busy coaching. It's like time. when it's like when he's done with a halftime interview. You know, like thank you, coach, and he just walks away. <laughs> he never says you're welcome. <laughs> it's just straight walk away, and they're like thank you, and he, uh, you know, like yeah. he's going to say you're welcome. Never happens. No, he's obligated clearly. But, but with Mac, he would always light into his players as they came off the court, showing them up in this day and age. It, like it was very Bobby esque, Bobby Knight esque, where he would scream at them in their face. As they're walking off, and it happened almost every time there was a substitution. That had to get old real fast. Well, but also, you know how you can do that and when you can do that and why you can do that? When you're winning games on the regular. When you suck and you continue to suck and things continue to slide downhill and you get all the more vehement with those interactions, yeah, man, good luck with that. You you know, Bob Knight lasted for a long time for many reasons besides the enablers at Indiana, but also there was this long stretch there where they won a boatload of games and made deep tournament runs. You know, I mean, like, you better have that kind of success to have those kinds of conversations anymore. It's Jeff Cambridge at 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV.
Chef Kevin Show 93.3 Real Talk Radio Awards here at TV. Good song. Job you'd want most? In all of sports? No, no, no. The nine open jobs in the National Football League. Job that you'd want most? Um, hmm. Maybe Denver? Because I'll bet that you have enough weapons to land a decent quarterback. Well, now that all of the oddity of uh, what's going on with the organization is coming to a resolution, it's going to be sold. And uh, probably, I was reading this morning, it'll be the largest deal for any sports franchise ever. And there's a huge tax break that comes with uh, with it for the buyer. Uh, but they've had behind the scenes, apparently, and I, you know, it's really interesting to read all that. That's not been a job that a lot of people wanted to take. And prior to the controversies behind the scenes with family squabbles and legalities and things that were just uh, not interesting to a sports talk show necessarily, but certainly interesting to those who care about the Denver Broncos, it was a it was disjointed mess, and there were there were there were sides, and it was ugly. This resolves that. So now that you have some certainty, that's a that's a passionate fan base. That is an amazing place to watch football. I've been there, um, and it's a you know it's a storied franchise. So that would be a great job. Yeah, and my, they've also got personnel. Assuming that you had a, an average to above average owner in the NFL, they want to make a splash when they first own the team. So I would think they would be willing to pay the price to go get Aaron Rodgers or somebody else in order to you know finish the puzzle, so to speak, put you in a position to where you can compete in that division. Now, that would be the only thing that would stop me, would be the division, that you have to go against Mahomes and Herbert twice a year, every year. That could get you fired real fast if you don't have an answer at quarterback, but that's where if you're going to take a job, any one of them, you're going to vet it and you're going to ask the you know ownership structure, management structure, What's your plan? Because how uh, much time do I have? It's going to be tough to get you know to get over these guys. Well, Nathaniel Hackett's going to take the job, and so Nathaniel Hackett is young, forty-two years old. He's you know uh, he was an offensive coordinator for the Green Bay Packers, so he's he's got time, right? There's upside for him, and um, he had worked as an OC over in Jacksonville uh, back in 2016 through 2018. The Bills before that, uh, but you're right. That's exactly what you would say, and it is it is a problem. Uh, having to go against those quarterbacks, you're not about to win anytime soon with those guys, but you do have huge amounts of upside. Uh, we both love Javante Williams, uh, very good player. Patrick Sertan, really good player the second. Of course, remember his dad, and good Christ, this is what's happening to us. Now, I, now I remember his yeah, dad. Yeah, I know yeah, you do. Yeah. This is my territory. They also, by the way, the number one thing I always look at here is cap space. So, yeah, do you – currently have a roster with some good players to build around the answer for denver is yes do you have room to grow meaning you have money to go give free agents the answer is yes 42 new ownership going to be pulling in the same direction willing to make a splash some talented young players plus room to build the roster good job good job uh but is that ownership that's not settled right they don't have a potential buyer so hackett's kind of going in blind a little bit a little bit well i think they know from he knows the I, roster enough. Well, I but also, I think I'm re- from what I'm reading, I think they do have a potential suit. Okay, All yeah. Right. Uh, so the Jags job, which means you again, you have the first overall pick, just as you did a year ago. Uh, so you come in, and let's just presume that Trevor Lawrence wasn't as bad as his numbers suggested. You'll lean towards the uh, the, the latter uh, performance at the end of the year against the Colts, and say, okay, there's stuff there. There's something there. They just made a nightmare of this. Um, 
So you got young pieces. They're flush with cap space. They've got cap space for days. You have an owner who desperately wants to win, doesn't really know how necessarily. That's but important. But he desperately wants to win, and he is certainly uh, willing, as proof of what he's committed to with restructuring the state-of-the-art team facility and all that. So they're trying to find a way to turn this to a destination franchise as opposed to an outlier that nobody, half the people forget, are in the league. Um I don't know that you come in to a place that is is reeking of failure and frustration, but you have nowhere to go but up. Nowhere to go but up. Yeah, I think you have more time because Urban lasted a year that might actually get you a fourth year if you're not good. So if you're looking for job security, they're not going to fire me if I take the the Jags job unless I am in Columbus, Ohio, and there's a co-ed hanging all over me. They're not going to fire me within. 12 games, 15 games, let alone two years. It's probably going to be three, four years that you get a chance to run up the bill and see what you can do. You want to be a hero? Take the Miami Dolphins job. You've got some good pieces, not a quarterback. Terrible owner. Well, you got to get in with Chris Greer, the GM, who's allowed to stay after every coach gets fired. So clearly he's the dude. He's buddies with the owner in a way that you never can be. Clearly. Yeah, who loves Tua, like so. You don't really get to choose your quarterback, at least for another year or two. Well, I'd be asking about that. Like, if, if, if it was a mutual admiration society and towards the end of the interview we got to where it's, we're talking turkey and I have a chance to take over here because I have a team that fights and some tough players on defense and some things I like, right? But I obviously don't have a quarterback. So here I sit, and now I've got to ask the million-dollar question. That is coming up. I'm not taking a job where I don't get to say who's my quarterback, and I'm saddled with this limp arm. So I'm not, you know. And how long is that going to last in Miami? You know, I mean, again, Flores built a good thing. That defense is very good, but for how much longer? So you've got... Are we ranking them pretty far down the list of jobs because of all the stuff that we just Mediocre to below average. I think they're right there with Minnesota in that mediocre to below average. Because, again, there's a window that's closing. They've got to get rid of Kirk Cousins. That would be a, a precondition to my signature for the Vikings. That's $42 million on the cap. You've got to get rid of him. I can't know. <laughs> it completely hampers everything we do. So because of the circumstances, those markets would be great if you're a winner. If you can win in, in oh, either of those sure. markets, yeah, it's yeah, going to yeah, be yeah. awesome. Denver's still at, at the top of the list. That's where also Jacksonville, there's a negative strike on that. Like If we're a winner, I don't know. Oh, I think they'll, I think they'll show up. I, they're starving, man. They, they'll show up. They, they just don't. They don't want to be run by clowns. They just don't want the, the you know the buffoonery that we've seen over there in Jacksonville for so long. Show them signs that you're etching towards being competitive again. They showed up the year that they were a playoff team and were that close to going to the Super Bowl. Neither Minnesota nor uh, Miami are lower than the Giants, though. That's like bottom of the barrel. Yeah. No, thank you. Well, but I will say, two markets that have job openings that if you win – you are forever beloved in a city in which there is an awful lot to do and a lot to see, and that is New York and Chicago. Now, the Chicago job is interesting. It all, to me, would stem around whether or not you think Justin Fields can play. And I don't know. I don't think any of us do after this year. It was a weird, poorly managed Matt Nagy year. The one good thing about that, if you're a defensive coach, you can go there, he can flame out and be a failure. And then you get your guy. You're not blamed for it. You're not playing for it. You're well, going to get hiring, one more strike. Yeah, they're hiring the, the the guy from the Colts, the defensive coordinator, and I think it's interesting in the era of offense, offense dominating the game across the board, for the most part, the teams that have the chance to year in and year out dominate the sport have 
uniquely gifted, high-flying offenses, incredible quarterbacks, and offensive-minded coaches. And you're bringing, I know Sean McDermott's the opposite. They had a great defense, but you saw what happened. It's hard to get stops when you're going against an elite, dynamic quarterback. And I don't know, man. 13 seconds be damned. (laughs) I thought our finish against North Carolina back in 16 was bad. Oh, my God. Never seen anything like it. Yeah, the Minnesota job's way down the list. I, I, I get it. I love their fans. And There's I, too much noise in the system. That yeah. defense is older. The, the key pieces are older. Dalvin, as a running back, second contract, I, I'm assuming that he won't be there for my full first contract term. Four years, five-year deal that I'm signing. He's not going to be around for that whole thing. You have Diggs. That's about it. And the O-line is getting better. But that's all you got. So... We ranked the Saints pretty close to last on the job openings because of salary cap issues. You don't know what's going to happen with Michael Thomas. You're not real sure who your quarterback is. If Brady retires, it's not such a bad job for you to take in New Orleans because then the division's wide open. Nobody's any good. Yeah. The problem is, again, that's a defense, I think, that's getting old. Well, that's, that's, you could win immediately, get to a wild card if you find your quarterback, find I, a solution. Yeah, and I was wrong, by the way. The worst job opening is the Texans job. I mean, what are we going to do here? Hands to the sky. What, what are we doing with these? <laughs> they just fired a guy after one year. Yeah, that's a toughie. He didn't do a terrible job. He got to kiss my ass on Main Street. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, a that great moment. That wasn't terrible. I mean, well, you, know, you don't have Deshaun Watson. You win four games. It's not bad. The problem is, again, you have a situation where, am I going to have Deshaun Watson? No, it doesn't look like it. looks like no matter what, he's not coming back to the Texans. Hell, he didn't want to go to the Texans before we found out that he was in love with getting massages. Massages. I didn't know that. Remember? Yeah, he wasn't coming back. He was holding out. Oh, no, I thought you meant in the draft process is what you're saying. No, 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 no. I'm saying Deshaun Watson was not coming back to the Texans regardless, and this was while he was holding out. We knew he wasn't coming back, and then we find out that. I don't know where he's going to be, but they don't have a quarterback, so they're screwed. Not a great year to, to draft a quarterback. Hmm. That's a fun exercise. So we're going to Denver. I think we're going to Denver. Yeah, I think we're going to the Denver. Hour number two, fourth company, stay with.